Thanks for joining us for today's message. We encourage you to email us and let us know what God is currently doing in your life. Or if you'd like to support the ministry financially, you can do so here on our website. But for now, we hope you enjoy this message. Thanks for tuning in today. Welcome, everyone, for this special uh, big game uh, day service. And every year we, we have been celebrating uh, this, um, this uh, season because it's um, the Super Bowl uh, of, of, all, uh, of, the, of the great year or the season of NFL football. Now, um, uh, when it comes to uh, competing, you know, 32 teams begin and uh, actually they begin in August preseason, but in September, and, and they all have one goal in mind, and that is to reach this goal that two of the teams reached this week, and uh, that is um, the New England Patriots and the, and the Philadelphia Eagles. Competing is something that God put within the DNA of humanity, and why did he do that? Because God, like God, we are made in his image and likeness, and God likes to win, and God wants you to win. <laughs> God wants to, you to win in every area of your life. Now, you understand just by being here today that, that uh, um, anytime you decide you're going to make a commitment to God, uh, you're going to see an increase of spiritual activity against your life because um, uh, the devil doesn't want you to uh, pro progress in your walk with God, and God does. So there's going to be competition and when it comes to competing, we know that uh, usually in any sport, there is a prize worth competing for. Can I have an amen to that? And uh, uh, we know that by, we know in competing that uh, people, there are, there are people that are far more competitive than others. Uh, I like to win. Nobody likes to lose. I like to win, but uh, I don't get stressed out as much as some people do. Uh, some people will bleed just to win a game of basketball or whatever, but, uh, and that's good because that competitive spirit came from the Lord. Everybody say amen to that. Now, there are some sports that actually we're all familiar with that are in the Bible. One is running. Uh, uh, um, Paul talked about boxing. Uh, uh, he talked to the Ephesian church about wrestling. So these are specific sports, and they're all tied, too, with competing when it comes to the spiritual side of your life. Uh, you have to learn that if you're going to get farther with God, you're going to have to learn to compete against those that are trying to hinder you from your spiritual progress. When you were born and left the security of your mother's belly or her womb, you came into this world. Listen, you came in with godly character. You came in with purity, innocence, um, Love, peace, and faith. God also placed within you giftings and talents and abilities designed not only to bless your life, but to bless the lives of those around you, especially when it comes to your family and the family of God. If you agree with me, say amen. And whether you realize it or not, the moment you entered this world, an unseen adversary was fully aware of, of your presence or you entering this world. And, and he and his mission is to destroy those godly attributes in your life. Uh, I mean, it really is true. When you're born, you come out of your mother's belly. You have purity. You have innocence. You have the fullness of God's faith, his peace, his presence in your life. His character is in you. And that the one, uh, your, your greatest enemy is the one who comes to try to destroy those, including your gifts, your talents, and your abilities. There's, listen, there are many people here today that have gifts and talents. Excuse me. Every one of you that are here today have gifts and talents and abilities and, 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 and it's, there's going to be a sad day when you stand before God and you did not use those for his glory. 
And, um, and I really believe it's, it's true in every church, even though it shouldn't be this way, but there's a saying regarding just the secular business, 20% do 80% of the work. And it shouldn't be that way in the local church. We should have lines of people waiting to get into different departments of ministry because they just want to use their giftings, talents, and abilities for God. Everybody say amen to that. It, it should be that way. Amen. Once you discover, listen, who you, once you discover who is for you, and in your life, then that is the beginning of things turning around for you so that you can have victory in your life, victory in your marriage, victory in your family, victory in your business. Everybody say amen. amen. Romans 8 says this, for those whom God uh, foreknew of whom he was aware and loved beforehand, he also destined from the beginning. That is referencing Genesis 1 for ordaining them to be molded, watch this, into the image of his son and share inwardly his likeness, that he might become the firstborn among many brethren. And those whom he thus foreordained, he also called. And uh, those whom he called, he also justified, acquitted, made righteous, putting them into right standing with himself. That's anyone who uh, receives his son as their savior, all right? Those whom he justified, he also glorified. I love this translation, they amplified. It says uh, raising, raising them to a heavenly dignity and condition or state of being. And what then shall we say to all this? If God is for us, who can be against us? Who can be our foe if God is on our side? And I added this, and we're on his side. Amen. If God is on our side and you're on his side, no foe can stand against you. Now shout amen to that. He says, and, and he who did not withhold or spur even his son, but gave him up for us all, meaning us sinners, will he not also with him freely and graciously give us all other things? I want you to say this out loud. God is for me. He's on my side so that I can win in every area of my life. That really is true. It really is true. There's no such thing. Uh, I mean, you, we can't use the excuse that we were born on the wrong side of the tracks because when Jesus came, he made sure that you could get on the right side of the tracks. Can I an amen? And that you could be blessed in your life. Hallelujah. Now listen, if your life has been plagued with fear, oppression, bondages of every sort, addictions, etc. then you need to stop and consider who is coaching your life, who you have allowed to coach your life. You might be on the wrong team. Whether you like it or not or aware of it, there's only one who has been the instigator of all the evils in your life. God is not the instigator. He's not the one who puts sickness on you to try to teach you something because if that were the case, there'd be a lot of smart people in this church. He's the author of life and not death. He's the author of wholeness, not sickness. Can I have an amen? But you do have one who's the instigator of all the evils. The moment you enter this world, there have been two spiritual forces competing for your life. One is your eternal father who gave you the life that you have, and the other is what the Bible calls the God of this world, 2 Corinthians 4, 4. And Jesus actually calls him the father of all lies, and, of course, we're talking about the devil. Now, he's the father of all lies. Now, listen, God is a father, but the devil is also a father. He's the father of, Jesus said he's the father of all lies. Would you agree if he's a father who's got children? I think it was Oprah who, who said on one of her shows that um, we are all children of God. In fact, I think that um, uh, Michael Jackson wrote a song about that, 
many, many years ago, didn't he? Uh, we are, we're of the world or something. Yeah, they're of the world, all right. But I mean, it, was, it's, it, it had something, connotation that we're all God's children. But that's not what the Bible says. In 1 John 3, it says this, by this it, may, by this it is made clear who take their nature from God and are his children and who take their nature from the devil and are his children. So now we have two camps. There's two families, the family of God and the family of the devil. For the first 20 years of my life, though I was not aware of it, I was in the wrong family. I was on the wrong team. I had the wrong coach. And so my life was tormented for the first 20 years of my life. I didn't know it. Nobody told me. He goes on and says, no one who does not practice righteousness who does not conform to God's will in purpose, thought, and action is of God. Neither is anyone who does not love his brother, his fellow believer in Christ. For this is the message, the announcement which you have heard from the first. And that word from the first means back to Genesis 1. That we should love one another. Amen. We should love one another. And be, not be like Cain. Means we could be. Not be like Cain who took his nature, and I've said this before, but it's important you catch what he's saying. When you take something, means you didn't have it before you took it. Everybody agree with me on that? You didn't have it till you took it. What does that mean? At one point in his life, he had the nature of God. He walked with God. He loved God. He loved his brother. But in time, he allowed animosity, unforgiveness, bitterness, hardness get into his heart until it produced murder on the inside of him. He killed he killed his brother long before he killed his brother. On the inside. The Bible says, and not be like Cain who took his nature and got his motivation from the evil one and slew his brother. And why did he do it? The Bible says, because his deeds, his activities, his works were wicked and malicious while his brothers were virtuous. So on this side of eternity, there's only two teams you can be on. And God gave you a will to choose which one. God gave you a will to choose what team that you want to be on. As far as this unseen competitor called the devil, you can't overpower him with your own natural strength, nor can you outwit him with your own natural human knowledge uh, uh, or, or wit. You can't you can outsmart him. He's smarter than you. He's been practicing this thing called delusion for 6,000 years. 1 Peter 5, 8 says, be well balanced, temperate, sober of mind. Be vigilant and cautious at all times. For that enemy of yours, say, I have an enemy. <laughs> say it again. Say it one more time. Yeah. Your enemy of yours, the devil, roams like, around like a roaring uh, lion, roaring in fierce hunger, seeking someone to seize upon and devour but the good news about redemption, the good news of the cross, is that Jesus literally defeated the devil, meaning he stripped him of his influence over your life. So you no longer, you're, as a sinner, you no longer have to be a sinner. Come on, somebody shout amen to that. I mean, as one who's bound by devils, one who's addicted to drugs or whatever you're addicted to, you can be free. You can be free. Amen. Colossians 2.15 says, God disarmed the principalities and powers that were ranged against us sinners, us sinners, and made a bold display and public example of them triumphing over them in him, in Christ, and in it, the cross. I love the message, Bible. Uh, uh, God stripped all the spiritual tyrants in the universe of the, um, all the spiritual tyrants in the universe of their sham authority at the cross and marched them naked through the streets. 
Isn't that beautiful? They say many, many years ago when, when um, kingdoms would fight against uh, each other, they were, they were, once they capped, uh, captured the, the, the king of that nation, they literally would strip him down to nothing uh, and walked him down the street uh, shackled, naked, to show his, his total defeat. Isn't that awesome? Amen. That's what Jesus did. Your adversary, listen, Oh, I I want to read this scripture. John 10.10 says, The thief comes only in order to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I came that every sinner, I came that they, every sinner, may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. How many want an abundant life till it overflows? Every one of us want that. Every one. But just because you want it doesn't mean that it's just going to come easily to you. You have to take it. You have to take it as yours by faith. Your adversary is not some dude dressed in a red onesie with a pitchfork in his hand. (laughs) I like that word, onesie. (laughs) Prior to his rebellion, Satan was the most powerful archangel in heaven. And after God cast him out of heaven onto the earth, he's been terrorizing humanity ever since. Satan is the number one terrorist in the world today competing for the souls of humanity. Did you hear that? He's competing for the souls of humanity. And uh, the question that I want anyone here to answer today is whose team are you on? And I'm even talking to some Christians here. Because you, you've actually, you're a Christian, but you've been on the wrong team lately. You've been compromising your life. And God wants you to be free. He doesn't want you to be tormented. Um, there's a song that we used to sing it years ago. Angie may know it. But it was a worship song, and it was written by a pastor's son who was the music leader in church. And he wrote this song while he was steeped in pornography because he was crying out to God for deliverance. He wanted so bad to be set free. And listen, there's one thing to be tormented by the devil when you're lost, but it's another thing to be tormented by the devil when you're saved. It's a horrific thing because you cannot bear the character of your father when you're bound by that kind of compromise in your life. Hmm. So anyway, you might be thinking, man, I've made such a mess out of my life, you know, that uh, is, there really, is there really any hope for me? I want to close today, meaning my close is about 10 minutes. Because <laughs> I didn't want you to think it's like one minute from now, but mark the... Mark the fifth chapter. Would you go there? Mark the fifth chapter in your Bibles, on your phone. We're going to read a story about a man. He was from an area called Gadarene, okay? They were not Jewish. They were a heathen uh, people. And this young man uh, found himself traded to a team whose owner was a merciless tyrant and whose team players terrorized him daily, 24-7. And this is in Mark the fourth chapter, and I'll turn there. Say praise the Lord. Mark the fifth chapter, verse one. Then they came to the other side of the sea to the country of the Gadarenes. And when he had come out of the boat, that's Jesus, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. Okay, we'll catch that. Okay. And who had his dwelling among the tombs and no one could bind him, not even with chains. So he was... He literally was operating in a supernatural strength. Verse 4, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, 
and the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces, neither could anyone tame him. Hmm. Now, the Bible doesn't give us any background of the man's life up to this time. Kind of wish sometimes they would do that. Because you wonder, how in the world did this guy get to this place in his life? Well, I know how. Because I was shackled by the same demon. I know. It happens in a process of time. It doesn't just happen overnight. You know, just because, you know, you, once in a while you flick through the channel and you find yourself a show full of nakedness and all of a sudden, you know, well, that's pretty good. So you keep going and keep going and keep going. All of a sudden you find yourself, you don't realize it, but you allow a demon spirit to come into your life and begin to live on the inside of you. It just takes time. It just takes a little compromise, 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 compromise. Years ago, back in 2005, I was driving to my truck one day, and I said, Lord, what is the key to, uh, to, I mean, what is the key to overcoming lust? I just asked him that. What's the key? And he spoke to me just like that. And he said, and I heard him say it. And I'm sorry, it is, I'm not lying. The Pope, I heard him say this to me. He said, you must starve it. And I, I went, oh, wow. Then immediately I said to him, but sir, then you're going to have to show me from the Bible. So I sat down and wrote 200 pages under subject of lust, and God gave me an acronym for lust, L-U-S-T, living under sexual torment. Because I'd lived that way for the first 20 years of my life. And so he took me in the Bible. I didn't read, any book, I didn't read one book from anybody. I just, not that I couldn't or wouldn't, uh, but I just simply went to the Bible, and I wrote 200 pages on that subject. Just, it's just a horrific thing to be tormented with that kind of bondage. It's just horrific because you're so depressed and oppressed and condemned and convicted, but at the same time, because lust is insatiable, you just keep, you just keep going deeper and deeper. Um, Ted Bundy, the horrific, the man who murdered a bunch of women, uh, I think like 40, he started out with pornography. He, he shared before he died, you know, you know how he got into all this. Um, Ted, uh, 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 what's his name? No, Bundy, but uh, uh, Dahmer from Wisconsin. Same thing. Got such a horrific, demon-possessed men, and it started out with just a little leaven. So these things are very serious because today we have a problem in that area. So here's a man terrorized by the devil. So we don't know his background. However, what we do know that, as I said earlier, when he was born, he was born with the fullness of God's character, purity, innocence, peace, love, faith. It was all on the inside of him. And someone was there to target him to take that away from him. Years later, he finds himself tormented and living under the curse. Let's read verse 5. And always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs crying out and cutting himself with stones. What are kids doing today? They're cutting themselves. Don't tell me they're not tormented by that. You don't just cut yourself. The devil tries to tell you that you're worthless. You have no value in your life because you're so tormented. And so kids are cutting themselves because they feel they deserve the pain of that because they're, they're being attacked by demon spirits. This is real. Verse 6, when he, now watch this, verse 6 says, when he, that's the man, saw Jesus far off, 
from afar, he ran and worshipped him. So, would you all agree with, agree with me that it's the man that fell down to worship him? Raise your hand if you agree with me. It's the man that fell down to worship him. I'm giving, showing you a point here. Verse 7, and he cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, the Son of the Most High God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. That's not the man speaking. That's the demon speaking. First of all, we know from the scriptures uh, um, uh, that the Bible makes it clear what Jesus' purpose was in his death and resurrection. It says how God anointed, that spiritually equipped Jesus with the Holy Ghost power, who went about doing good and healing all who are oppressed. That word oppressed means to exercise dominion against. I couldn't get free. I wanted so bad to be free, but I couldn't be free because the demons on the inside were far greater than any ability I had to free myself. It means to take control of. Boy, and the devil will take control of your life if you allow him to. So it's clear we're witnessing two personalities in this tormented man's life, his own and that of the demon, demons that were within him. And as the man cries out for freedom, the demons were crying out on the inside for fear because they knew what was coming next. Verse 5, always night and day, he, the man, was in the mountains and in the tombs crying and cutting himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from afar, he, the man, ran and worshipped him. And he, the demon, cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. For he said to him, the demon, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. How many of you ever, I mean, have you ever met anybody with like dual personalities? They're, they, you know, they, they can call things schizophrenic, but there's demons involved. Yes, I know that not everything's a demon spirit, and you know that I don't believe that. But I'm telling you, there are things that are real, and this is one of them. Tormented, unclean spirit. The word unclean doesn't mean he didn't take a shower. The Greek means impure, immoral, lewd, foul, Filthy, all having to do with moral deprivation. And today isn't any different than in Jesus' day. Listen, multitudes of men and women today are tormented by demon spirits because of moral compromise. In fact, many of the movies that, the movies that are scripted, uh, that are scripted uh, with nudity and, and just, just, you know, just immorality, these are scripted by men who are uh, influenced by demon spirits. Jesus said, when a demon, this is Luke eleven twenty five. you can read it. I'm not going to read the scripture. He says, when a demon is cast out of a person, that person doesn't, and that person doesn't wholly commit himself to God, that demon will, will return to the house hoping he finds it empty. And when he finds it empty, meaning that person didn't get wholly committed to God, that demon comes back and brings seven more worse than he is to possess that house. I'll just tell you this so just to help you understand. My grandfather was a pedophile. And when he died, see, demons are territorial. What does that mean? They literally want to live within the family unit if they can. So when, that, when he died, that demon left him to try to find another, another family member to possess. I just want you to understand that th you have to take your Christian life serious. 
Now, Brother Hagin taught us years ago, and I, I believe it's true. A Christian cannot be demon-possessed, but he can be tormented by a demon. You can't be possessed by a demon because you're possessed by God's spirit. And if you're possessed by God's spirit, there's no room in the house for a demon spirit. But he can torment you. Mark 5, verse 9. Then Jesus asked him, the head demon. What do you mean the head demon? There was one speaking for the rest of them. Why is that? Because Ephesians 6 gives you the levels, different levels of demonic power. Principalities, powers, the rules of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. There's a level of power just as there is with Jesus. You know, I was thinking about this. Can I add this? This is really good. I was just thinking about that, and I was thinking about, I didn't write it down, so I believe the Lord wants me to tell you because I thought about it. Remember when the, the sons of thunder, James and John, asked Jesus, uh, their, their mother came to Jesus and said, I got, I, I got a request. And Jesus said, well, say on. Um, can my sons sit on your right hand and on your left? Remember that story? And, of course, all the disciples got ticked off. Why? Because they asked first, and the others wanted to ask. And uh, what's interesting is that Jesus says, well, only my father can make that decision. But listen to this. The Bible says that when you accept Christ, you're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So we're, all, we're already seated there. Isn't that awesome? Oh, that was awesome. Yeah, amen. Hallelujah. What is your name? And he answered, my name is Legion, for we are many. Now, a legion of Roman soldiers is 6,000. So this man, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's one or 6,000. But if there's 6,000 under me, he's got a full house. <laughs> okay, he's got a full house. Amen. And then you wonder, again, then you wonder why people can't get free. You can't, except for Jesus. Except for Jesus. He's, he literally can set you free. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Verse 10. And the Bible says, also he, that's the demon, begged him earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. Why? Again, demons are relational. They like to stay within the family if they can. And, um, and uh, so verse uh, 13, um, let's read verse 13. And at once Jesus gave them permission. Uh, remember, he gave them permission. They, they weren't, they, I mean, they were submitted to him. Isn't that beautiful? Then the unclean spirits went out and entered the swine, that were, and there were about 2,000 uh, pigs. And the herd ran violently down the steep place in the sea and drowned in the sea. Okay. Now, in Jewish tradition, the pig was the most foul animal. And yet the pigs couldn't stand the presence of demons. But, but what was interesting is that, listen, these pigs, any, most, animal, most animals will not just run down a cliff. They'll come to the cliff, they'll look, and they'll turn around and go back the other way. They literally, they literally could not stand the presence of a demon spirit, so they, they ran over the cliff uh, committing suicide to get free from that demon. And I thought, isn't that interesting? Today, we've got a lot of young kids committing suicide because they think that's the only way they can be free from what they're held captive by. The devil tells him there's no way out except for Jesus. I said except for Jesus. Let's finish reading this and we'll close. So those who fled the swine, those who fed the swine uh, fled and they told it to the city and the country. They went out and 
told him what happened. And they went out to see what, it, what had happened. Then they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon-possessed, watch this, and had the legion sitting and clothed in his right mind. Finally, he's in his right mind. Finally, after all those years of being tormented by the devil, now he's in his right mind. What does that mean? This right here is exactly the open door for the devil right here. That's why it isn't, you know, you think you can take the eyes and you can look at anything not realizing that you are opening the door to be tormented like you've never had before and that you, like you don't deserve. Can I have an amen? And those who saw them how it happened to him who had been demon-possessed and about the sign, so it was a great witness, and they began to plead with him to depart. Now, you would think that he said, you know, I've got some family members that, are, that really are tormented. Why don't you come and set them free? But they were more concerned about the pigs they lost than the man that was set free. Yeah, isn't that sad? And the Bible says here that, um, uh, anyway, he, he, I don't want to read the rest of the story. He wanted to follow Jesus. Jesus said, don't follow me. I want you to go and, uh, and, and let people know that you've been set free. So the Bible says he went into a place called Decapolis. It was actually a three cities in one. Can you imagine the influence he made on that community, letting people know that he was set free? Same with me. I just want you to know that Jesus can set people free from any kind of bondage in their lives. Can I have an Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. We'd love for you to join us for our Sunday morning services at 10 o'clock. We also have what we call School of the Bible on Wednesday nights from 7 to 8. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.